Hello, bonjour, welcome, bienvenue to the Football Well English podcast. I'm your host, Liam, and once again this week I'm joined by Tom. Hello, everyone. And Jonathan. Hi, everyone. In this week's episode, we'll be reviewing three matches. It's been a long time since we last spoke to you. We'll be discussing Monaco, Sparta Prague in the Europa League, and this weekend's match against Nice. Um, it's a bumper episode, so let's just get right into it. Um, first up, after the international break where we had our three-week hiatus, um, a well-run action against Monaco, a direct rival for European football. Obviously, we had that tussle with them last season, a couple of um, emphatic matches, but that's all in the past. In the uh, recent past, a well-managed to win 2-0, which was a, a nice surprise considering I was really nervous going into that game. Um, Denier and Tuckler can be both got on the score sheet, I guess. Firstly, Tom, what did you think of the performance considering these next few weeks are quite big where we're going to be in action against some uh, direct rivals for European competition? Let's start with some positives. Um, I mean, obviously this is, um, the, the, I wouldn't say the easiest of wins we have over the three we're going to discuss today, um, but it's actually the less stressful one. Um, obviously, trying one half FC, like the first half is just not, particularly interesting and didn't really put anything into it but um you know you've just got to wait for a magician to come on and um you know lucas has delivered once again so um in light of playing very good teams the next few weeks i think it's good that we beat a rival um because yes even though they're not very consistent this season um, they are still able to pull out some very good performances and they will undoubtedly be in the top, I'd say at least six. Uh, you just not quite know if this season of Liga who's going to be up there, but I think they'll be top six easily. So getting three points against a rival, at least for European spots, um, is a good thing. And as we said in the last episode, uh, Monaco are a very good team, very good manager and some top talent. So I'm... I'm happy to say that they had a very good performance uh, at least the second half and yeah obviously there's some standout players and some not so standout but um, overall I think it was a good positive result and uh, that's what we got to take at the moment so seeing uh, well what happened on the weekend I think obviously it's a results business the first half in my opinion was a little bit dross, really. It wasn't, not much happened. I think Paqueta, as you said, Tom really came in and changed the game. Uh, just going on the second half performance in uh, general, Jonathan, what did you think of the, I guess, drastic improvement that Paqueta um, influenced with his introduction? I mean, he's, he's fantastic. He, the energy changed when he came in, which you could tell right away. And, um, you know, I don't know if we would have won without him. Although I do think, you know, we won on a penalty. You know, and that's also a big thing. You tend to forget when you see the score. For the second goal, scored just, but you know, it's the change. The game's different at the 90th minute. Um, you know, we there was a, a kind of a interesting penalty on Dubois. You know, if that didn't happen, I don't know if we win either. So, we didn't really build up the plays to win the game. So I want to. That's why we can't be too up and down. Every game is pretty close. This one we got lucky. Other games we're not lucky. So. But Paqueta was it was fantastic, really on top of his game. He's, I think he's the best player in the league right now. I think he could play anywhere he wants, any team he wants. I'm disappointed that he's playing so far up, 
which is why I thought he was good in this game. That he, I don't think he played number 10 when he came in. From what I remember, he played in the midfield. And that's a big difference. That's where he's best. When he ended up playing number 10, he's much less useful. And he, he doesn't really get as many opportunities because he's always just holding the ball and giving it to other players. So, um, you know, props to him, especially after that, uh, you know, for, coming from Brazil, like 24 hours before, that was that was pretty spectacular. Um, he really shows that he wants to play. A lot of players would just have not been interested. So really a real leader. And I remember saying to the game that at that moment was when I thought it was so clear that he's the true captain, even though I don't do the armband. It's just he should be captain. I mean, he's just the spirit of OL right now at this moment. And you know, I think he, he he's the one that everyone follows. I think you make a fair point in terms of a leader in the team. It feels very similar to last season where we were having discussions about who the next captain should be and that Memphis was a captain who leads by example in terms of his performances and Paquetta definitely does that in terms of just coming on off the bench or starting from the outset. He's the man that seems to really change things. Obviously, when he came on, he had been... Just for context, as Jonathan said, he was in Brazil, I think, 36 hours before he played, which is an incredible turnaround to be able to play. No training before the game itself, but still wanted to be in the squad and really change the game as when he came on, I think, around the 60th minute mark, things did start to change. But in terms of the game itself before that, it was a bit slow. He came in, changed the atmosphere, changed the attitude of the players, and then everything just seemed to go up another level from there and we managed to get the three points. Uh, Someone who had a bit of a... I guess, impact on the three points. We were a little bit, I'd say I was nervous before the game that we were going to have to play with him for 90 minutes now that Lopez was in such good form. But Paul's bet came in. I think it was his first league and start. I guess, what was your thoughts on his performance, Tom? Obviously, if anyone was going to be pointed out as the weak link, it was going to be him. Were you, I guess, pleased with what we with what we'd saw considering in the past he's been a little bit iffy at times? He looked confident, sure. Uh, I remember at least one or two very good saves um, and, you know, looked all very confident, actually, when he was catching the ball on crosses and so on. Uh, I know he was recruited for his um, ball-playing skills, and I think he definitely showed a bit of that. Um, I think he's... Weirdly enough, I still believe that he's young, but he isn't. Uh, but there are some decisions he makes, especially when he's throwing the ball out, you know, with his hands especially. Um, some of the decisions are a bit off. But, you know, um, a goalkeeper's career can last until 40, uh, so he's got basically half of his career left. So I hope that he does develop, and obviously being on the bench for so long um, doesn't really enable you to progress all that much without team experience, but I think he did very well coming in. Um, was... I'd say fairly lucky uh, in, when he came in against Santiago. Uh, there's, you know, the two very dodgy saves where like he does not trust him. Um, but here, I think he, he did very well um, and and showed that. I, I don't know if he's definite number two, um, but he's definitely not good enough to be number one. That's for sure. But um, I don't think we need to be. If he's happy with his role, I don't think we need to be looking any further than him. If he's going to be playing. You know, one game or two games a season because we know that Lopez, the only reason he's out most of the time is because he gets sent off. Um, and like he's never injured. If Paul Dweck is happy with that role, then let be, honestly, because I think it reminds me of like Verkut and so on, who's spent so many years 
being number two. And it almost only came in, did the job, and that's exactly what Hobbs Beck did. Um, will he be remembered for this performance? Probably not. Will he be remembered for his um, shenanigans against Red Star? Probably. Um, but um, yeah, I was happy with him. And he didn't, obviously, he's got a very good centre back pairing at the moment, which I'm sure we'll get to next. But um, I think the centre backs look like stress out. Uh, by having Pozbeck behind him, uh, behind them, so that that just shows the confidence, I guess. Something we discussed at the start of the season, Jonathan, was you know the the debate between do we need Onana? Is he going to replace Lopez? That type of thing. Obviously, we've seen some excellent form from Lopez. It really seems to have given him a kick up the backside in terms of you know getting himself into a gear and I think this for me personally some of the best form he's shown in a while obviously the red card puts a bit of a dampener on that but you can't really take away that some of his performances in recent weeks have been good do these sorts of performances from Polsbeck give you the belief that we don't need to go out and sign another goalkeeper well I don't think it was specifically that we needed a goalkeeper it was that the opportunity to have an upgrade was available for a low price and so that's why people got excited because Onana was considered when he was at Avex and playing to be one of the top uh, 10 goalkeepers in the world, maybe. And so that was a very exciting option. Lopez is a very fine Ligue 1 goalkeeper. There's, you know, he's supposed to be top three goalkeeper in Ligue 1. I think he's showing it again. He doesn't have, he has flaws like a lot of goalkeepers. You know, he's uncomfortable with the ball at his feet, which is so clear. He's trying, you can tell how hard he's trying right now. Every time he has the ball to try to not kick it, not kick it far. He always wants. He's trying to pass it now, really hard. But in his mind, it's it's a tough time. It's tough to you can tell he's had he has a, a an issue. Um, so I don't think we need a goalkeeper. I think he's doing the job. But you know, he's he at this point he should just finish his career with well. I mean, we don't well to, to to get another goalkeeper would cost a lot of money unless some opportunity presents itself. And there's no need to pay for another goalkeeper when you have one. That loves the club. He's gonna. He's probably gonna be the most capped Lyon player in history by the end. So, he deserves the respect. You know, he's respected. So I, I have no no need to replace him unless exactly unless you have an opportunity to get a top ten goalkeeper in the world. Fair assumption. Obviously, when those sorts of opportunities arise, you can't really turn them down. But. I think I agree, and I think Tom agrees that we are happy with Lopez going forward. And if Polsbeck can come in when he's called upon and come up with performances like that, I've got no complaints with being in number two, despite, as you mentioned in the past, there's been a couple of shaky moments, but he looked composed for the 90 minutes and um, justified in a decent performance that gave us three points, so no complaints from me in that department. Um, in terms of the performance itself, obviously, we spoke about a bit of a... Uh, the word I used was dross first half. It was a little bit... Nothing happened, really. It was a bit close. The play wasn't fantastic. The second half, I kind of changed things. But in terms of the game itself, I saw a lot on um, Twitter in terms of just French football with a lot of people saying that Monaco didn't find the level that they are able to find. Do you think that was the case or that Lyon in the end were just too good when Paquetta came on to Monaco definitely far from, from the best, and I think it's been somewhat the case for the last few weeks. And I, I see this after they um, somehow beat a PSV in the Netherlands. Um, so that's, you've got to suddenly measure your, your, your words here. 
but I do feel there's been a few string of bad results here or there with Marco recently, and is it? I'm not that good in terms of, of understanding the squad at the moment of Monaco. But I do feel there's a few injuries and tired players. I don't I don't remember Wissam Yedder having too much of a good game either. Uh, Volland seems a bit like a lone player up front. And to my knowledge, Golden is still out for injury. So um, there's obviously some players missing and, and there's a string of bad decisions here and there that uh, ended up um, just... I would say giving us the victory because we went to get it and um, there's some very, very good performances from from our side, um, which I'm sure we'll get to. But the midfield pairing of Kakra and Bruno is really proving to be very good at the moment. And so, um, yeah, we were a better team. Um, but Jonathan said earlier, you know, it's, it's a penalty and a, yes, it's a nice goal, second one, but it's all co- also coming somewhat from the corner. Uh, in like 90 second minutes so let's not be over the top and say that we played like prime Barcelona um, we were average uh, most of the time but um, average was clearly better than what Monaco offered I think you're right I think the Monaco we saw last season that pipped us to Champions League football has been missing in general in terms of this season Kovac has said in terms of the way that they play, in terms of being able to hit teams on the counter, they're, uh, because of their performances last season, they're perceived more as a team to beat. Rather than last season, they were a bit known of an unknown quantity because obviously he'd come in. The poor start meant that teams thought they could get at them and then they went on that ridiculous run into 2021. But they don't look like the team they were last season. They've still got capable players in particular, Voland and Ben Yedder, although Voland's been misfiring recent weeks. But in terms of the performance, I think we were just a bit better. But I wouldn't say there was a massive difference between the two sides. I'd say the difference between the two sides was the entrance of Paquette. Um Moving on to uh, more positive notes rather than Monaco's poor performance, Jonathan. Is there anyone in particular you'd like to nominate for tops for the game? Sure, I think a Boateng was, was really solid. Uh, if I remember correctly, he would intercept the ball. He's so precious with the, you know, with his passing. Um, you know, a really composed player, and I think it's fair. You can tell how calm he is, which is very different than certain players who kind of get nervous. So, I think Boateng was very good. Um, Paqueta, we all know, and then I think Togo Kambi is just on a hot streak, and he was just finding a groove, and he he's helpful. He had a header that should have been a goal. That was a great save by Newbold. If I remember correctly, it was really really good um so I, I would say those three those three players uh you know Paqueta, Boateng and Togo Kambi were just top players and uh, what about you Tom would you agree with the same sentiment that Jonathan's put there I think Togo Kambi's one that's worth mentioning in general just for his recent form yeah Togo Kambi's been immense recently um you know if um if one as you are seven is going to be misfiring at times uh, at least we've got uh, uh Take uh, TKE. So, you know, prime number seven here on, on the wing. And um, I can't really think of many number sevens who've been that incredible with Lumina as of recent. Um, Michel Bastos is another one I'm thinking of recently. But, uh, you know, he's been playing very well. And uh, knowing that we picked on him so much last season, I think it's good to recognize that. Uh, while he isn't scoring the somewhat eager chances, uh, he is doing a lot of work on the wing 
and you know scored very important goals. And he's, I think, to my knowledge, the top scorer in the Europa League at the moment, uh, which would have been unheard of at the end of the last season. So yes, he definitely deserves a shout. Paquetta obviously uh, deserves a shout. I, as I said earlier, I think the the midfield pairing of Bruno and and Kakri has been immense, and even what a case um, in the Prague game. But um, Liam, you seem to disagree with my statement. But I think Bruno has been one of the top performances, uh, top performance, the top performance. There we go. Uh, since the start of the season, uh, the reason I disagree with you against Monaco would. In particular, be Kakarai. I didn't think he had a good game. I thought, in terms of on the ball, he was a bit sloppy. He lost possession in dangerous areas, particularly in the first half. Um, he lost possession, I think, more than anyone else on the pitch, from my memory. Um, I think, in terms of on the ball, he played some nice passes. Um, but in terms of pressing and winning the ball back as well, his recovery is always great. I think that's the best part of his game. But in general, I just think that. Going forwards, the way we transition play, he was probably the weaker point in that midfield too. Bruno didn't struggle, I think. He's suited to play this double pivot in midfield. My worry is that this isn't Kakarai's position. I think going forwards, we um, we maybe need to reevaluate this. Obviously, I'm not Peter Boss, so I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to say who he picks on the team, but I think Kakarai is much better in a three than he is as a two. I think he can learn the position. But going forwards as a double pivot, I'm not so sure about Kakarai in that position. I think it's been the case for a few weeks now, and I know we've seen some great performances from him. I think he was good midweek against Prague. I will give him that, but in terms of this performance, I wasn't overawed with him. Um, so... I guess, what are your opinions on Kakare? Do you disagree with what I've said? I think the reason I say this is that people were saying he bossed the game. No pun intended. But just in general, I wouldn't say that that was a performance that bossed the game. I've just been looking at his stats there. You know, his pass accuracy was good, but it's not at the level we know he can do. He lost the ball a lot of times. I just didn't think overall it was a performance that quantified the word bossed. No, he didn't. I, I mean, I said, I, meant, I just think it was more of a, of a, um, how to put this, but reinstating how great he is um, and actually rewarding him. I mean, obviously, I don't know how much he rewards um, or compliments on this podcast, but uh, Max, if you are listening, you've, you've truly progressed a lot um, in the last few weeks. And I think uh, we're very far from the very shy cackery that we had at the start of the season. Which was a bit of a surprise uh, to most of us, but um, yeah, the, as you said, you know, the Prague game is definitely a statement uh, to show that he is somewhat back to his best. Um, now he needs to show a bit more consistency, and um, obviously, clearly doesn't quite like Monaco, who sent off in the the one last year. Although he did have a very good performance uh, until that red card, um, but um, yeah. Max, he, he is progressing, um, and I agree. I think in a, in a free, he'll definitely be better. Um, but um, you know, he, he's getting there. He's progressing, and uh, his partner uh, in the midfield uh, definitely deserves a, a praise. Bruno, he's a. Uh, I think he's a uh, because he's got such a amazing other Brazilian on the team. Uh, he's going a bit under the radar, uh, but Bruno, if you look up on Twitter the DNS comps of him against Prague, particularly. Or even this game, 
he's not making every other player and and just physically is showing how strong he is at the moment. Um, so we we need to celebrate how great Bruno has been at the start of the season. Yeah, Bruno deserves more plaudits for that position. I think you mentioned the other Brazilian in that um, bromance they've got going at the moment probably gets more. Um, more plaudits and more press than Bruno does, but what he does doesn't get as noticed as much. I think just in terms of Marsh on the midfield, he has helped Kakare in recent weeks, but he can learn from him in terms of that playing that position, and it will as a partnership blossom as the season goes on if he persists with him, and obviously he's a young player, so Kakare can learn that position. On a more negative note, uh, Jonathan, is there anyone in particular you were disappointed with against uh, Monaco? Yeah, I have um, Shakiri, Shakiri and Dubois. I'd like to put them together because it's not Dubois was fine and Shakir like he wasn't a problem. It's just I think the pair again they just don't work together. They, there's no overlapping. They don't understand each other. Shakiri is so predictable at this time. I, I don't know why he's doing this. He's just always not taking any anyone by by surprise. He just stays there, cuts in, crosses on his left. He's like he has a great left foot. But it's just it's it's too predictable. He needs someone to take the space so that the defender has to decide am I gonna follow the guy taking the overlap or am I going to stick with Shakiri? And instead, if no one does the overlap, it's just some slow guy cutting in trying to cross it. And I don't know why they haven't figured this out. To me it was it's so obvious. And so it's either you put Cherki instead of Dubois, or you put uh or instead of uh Shakiri, or you put Gusto and with Shakira. It's just the combo doesn't work. So, obviously, Dubois is probably going to be the starter. So, I don't think Shakira works at this time of his career as a starter. He could come in on the bench, offer something different. But he just, he's not offering enough right now. Um, and Shakira also was kind of poor, I guess, even though it's not his position. He tried in a few opportunities. So, give him a pass as a young player. But you could tell it's not, it's not his role. He's not a hold-up player. He's got a no-hitting game whatsoever. And he he's not in that in that role. It's not what he needs to do. So I feel bad for Sharky. He's never put in his actual position, which is right number ten or something like that. He's never there, or he's always being put on wings or you know as a striker. So he deserves an opportunity to get his role. Um, so I would say Shakiri and 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 Sharky were the the poorer players, um, and Shakir probably the consensus flop of the game. I'd agree with you with Shakiri. I think it's um, reminiscent of what he could do at Liverpool sometimes, where I guess Tom pointed out at the start of the season, he's a player that for every good game is a bad game, and that was a shocking one, really. There's not, in recent weeks, I don't know if it's a system thing or you know there's too many players who want the ball, because if you look at the three behind the striker and with Paquetta on the pitch, Tuckle can be not so much, but he's... I think he's shown he's pretty good with the ball at his feet in recent weeks, but especially if you've got Paqueta, Awar and Shakiri on the pitch, and then you add Shirky into that as well. You've got four players there who all want the ball, so maybe he's a, a victim as that, because with the other three players, I think they're on the ball work. Particularly in central areas, he's better than Shakiri's, but in a wide area, Shakiri's not getting wide enough and putting those crosses in, but the formation can be quite narrow itself. Um, in terms of Poor players. Tom, is there anyone you want to add or do you agree with what uh, what Jonathan's just said? I mean, the common theme that week of me uh, not liking Dubois, but that's, uh, I don't think this is the game where I really have to slap on his fingers, really. 
Um, but yeah, Shakiri, I think he is. I'm not going to play the mastermind card of, of me saying, oh, I told you so, he'll be terrible. No, because he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't played great um, so far. Um, I can't remember which. He had a very a decent game where he had an assist uh, recently, but um, yeah, he's. Yeah, he's not proving to be the, the player we we hoped he would be. Um, and I think someone like Ryan Shirky deserves a bit more playing time. I mean, he got no minutes this weekend. Um, so when we're just seeing the type of performances that Shakiri putting in, uh, it's a bit of a shame. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to, um, to Tino's amazing performance uh, this weekend. But I will say this. I think he came on really well. Um, was it... Yeah, this week, uh, midweek. Uh, so um, for every performance, is a terrible one with Tino as well. So I guess they have a common understanding that the right wing just doesn't work um, for anyone. So, yeah, no, I, I think yeah, it's got to be Shakiri. I don't think there's only anyone else. Although I did think that Emerson's not a bit shy uh, compared to what he usually is capable of doing. But um, yeah, Shakiri has to be the standout. I wouldn't say failure, but without um, non-performer. I think it's a bit of uh, inconsistency that we're seeing from him, but hopefully he can pick up some form again. Um, moving on, we could talk Monaco for a while, but I think we've got a lot to cover, so we'll move on to the Europa League action. Um, just for context, this was the third match of the Europa League group, while we're going and beating into this game. Um Early on, Owell went 2-0 down inside 20 minutes, but Owell managed to checkmate Sparta. Credit for Tom for the pun. Um, but in general, in a serious note, a serious comeback came back. A much improved performance after that, managing to win 4-3. It was a, I think it was the sort of match you were expecting to see a lot on the bus when he came in, that we were going to concede goals at the back but we always had a confidence that we could outscore the opponent and I think we did show that. Um, Tokwa can be the main man in the competition again with two goals. Paqueta came on ch uh, changed the game. Awa with another goal in the competition continuing his goal scoring form. Um, I guess to start things off Jonathan, what did you think of the opening 20 minutes? Obviously some shoddy defending, a bit open at the back. Prague really came out and pressed on to us, probably gave us a shock that we weren't expecting early on. Right, Prague came in and they were just so much more energetic. They totally just took the match over from the first minute. Um, it was very impressive. I mean, I don't know if Lyon played poorly. They were just out, out, uh, I don't know, out energized. I don't know what's that the word, but the other team just wanted way more. They pressured every ball. They were really high up on the pitch and they they scored you know a deflection and you know but they, they did a good job and it was very impressive i never thought that we were out of it because you could tell that there's they weren't winning because of their skill or just possession they were just you know hitting real hard and taking taking the ball away so um it was a poor 20 minutes but like you said perfectly in the intro that this is what we expected for Bosch. this kind of match not the solid defensive performances but a you know, goals flying on each side that we can outscore anyone. And that's how I felt during the game. I thought they scored two in only 20th minute. Oh, I feel like we could come back. And before, then the previous coach, which I won't say his name, I didn't feel like we could come back when we're down. Sometimes I just felt like, okay, they're just going to walk around and they're done and they're just going to sulk. But here, 
I really felt like, oh, they, they, they believe they can beat them. And um, I saw that in the, earlier in the season when they had a, a red card against, I think it was uh, Trois, and then they came back to tie it and have a good game. Or, or Lorient, it was against Lorient, and they, had, and they did that. I felt like they were the better team, and they could come back. So here's the same thing. They, they got beat, but they never were down. And then from the 20th minute on, they were clearly the better team. And it was, it was, they were going to at least come back. And then it all happened in a few minutes. You know, it just, obviously Paqueta comes in and everything changes. That just states his impact again. Paqueta coming on and changing the matches. He is the talisman at the moment. But yeah, I had the same feeling from the 20 minutes. I, I was struggling to find a stream, so I actually missed the first goal. But about the time I saw the second goal go in when I found the stream, I just thought, just calm down, calm the play down a bit for 10 minutes, which we did do, and then we went again from there. Um, I guess really in terms of speaking about Paqueta, Tom, we don't want to talk about him too much. I think we will do a special on him in the near future and probably when the uh, the statue is unveiled. But how important was his um, entrance to the comeback? I mean, we we got to state that I think a lot of journalists have actually slated um, the, the club for not playing him from the start. Um, and I think it was actually the right decision. Uh, if you're going to show up for the context, he showed up. Uh, I No one's this close exactly how late, but definitely late to the, the pep talk before the game. And as Juninho said, as soon as the door is closed for the pep talk, then it is closed. Not supposed to be late. It hasn't been disclosed what he, why he was late, but just don't be. Um, so I think uh, the club went above the, the you know the institution above the player. I think it's not something that we see all that much. Um, unfortunately, RMC have sort of attacked the whole process and said that it's terrible and stupid when it's your best player. Um, but when you're seeing how stars and and key players, or well, not key players, but like you know. Incredible players that have a PSG on handled and they can literally do whatever they like. I've last however long that um, PSG has been around. Um, it is. I think it's good that the the club stepped in and showed a bit of of you know strength uh, against this situation. Um, doesn't mean that he should have sit out the whole game. So I think it was a good decision to bring him back in, uh, and obviously he was instrumental. I mean his. Obviously, his position, you're trying to really figure out exactly where he's best at. Um, I think Jonathan mentioned earlier that 10 isn't his role. I fully understand that. I think it's definitely false 9 isn't his thing. Uh, being up front is just not going to work. Um, but from the right side, definitely is something that I think works really well, especially seeing how well Awar is playing in the center of the moment. So it'd be a shame to bring Awar out of that disposition. Um, but no, he's obviously incredible. Um, you know, he's uh, doing yoga bonito every five minutes, and, and it's, it's incredible to watch. So he's he's not only technical. We've mentioned this so many times before, but he really leads the press uh, from the front and and shows so much will to actually get the ball back when he doesn't have it. And so, for someone who's been slightly worn out, and I'm sure it'll be very much obvious with the East game uh, when we discuss it, that he is a bit worn out by the whole process, which is normal. You know, uh, he's been overused recently. Um, 
but uh, you know he came in very well and obviously changed the whole face of the team. Um, it's a, just unfortunate that when you see that uh, you're trying to get a bit of rotation into the team, that it doesn't start all that well, uh, which shows that we don't really have that quality in the depth of the squad. Um, but you know, if you've got to rely on the key players to to get the season going again, then we'll have to do that. So it just means they're going to have to play a lot more games than we actually probably expected from the start. Yeah, it's one of those things in terms of having a player that you over-rely on a little bit. I think you'll see people picking up on that in recent weeks, maybe going forward as well. Tokla Camby's been chipping in with goals, but in terms of the performance side of things, the player that's always looked to is Paqueta. We're hoping that our other players will be able to transfer some of that burden, but an over-reliance could cost us going in the season. Um Speaking of Tokwa Kambi, uh, Jonathan, the top scorer in this competition, you know, the way he's firing at the moment, I think that's five goals in three games, I might be wrong. But just in general, the way he's playing, the way he's taking his chances, especially in this competition, just how impressed were you with him in this game and I guess just his overall improvement in front of goal. You know, we had the old Cal Potter Kambi thing running a few weeks ago, but he's back to his best at the moment. Right, I was going to say that um, you know he's not the same put you know, player. He he's basically finishing his chances. That's the difference. He used to get the chances, which why he was still in the lineup, and he just would miss them every time. And it, you know he needed ten chances to score one goal, but now he's pretty much a clinical finisher. This in the Europa League for sure. He, he's scoring his chances anytime he gets them. He's creating his own chances, and he's a player that we don't have at all, especially when you have Shakira on the other side. You know Tokoyakambi is the one taking players on and and being a threat so um top season for him i know last year there's circumstances that made it you know his father passed away and, and that uh, bothered him um and you know he he had from there he was not there mentally um but also it could be they only plays half a season well so i i don't know if he's able to do a full season like this so i'll enjoy it while we can he's qualifying the old uh, first place of the europa league all by himself so he deserves that kind of credit, and um, I just hope it keeps going for the whole season. I'm I'm actually pretty impressed with him. I, I really thought he was an average player, average young player, but he's turning out to improve, and he's 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 a good player, uh, which is which is a surprise to me. So, you know, I'll I'll, I'll take the I'll, I'll say that Toka Kambi is a good player. It's it's nice that he's actually getting a notion. As you said, there were a bit of off-field uh, problems for him last season with his fam- uh, family member dying. I think it was his father. But just in general, those things can have a mental effect. So it's sort of understandable that there potentially was a drop-off. You know, we haven't seen him replicate the form for a full season, but that's probably a indicator of what might have been wrong at the back end of last season. As you said, he was still getting the chances, which is why you've got to keep him on the pitch, because I think his positioning is massively underrated. You know, his runs are always intelligent. He's always finding himself in the positions to take those chances. So when you've got someone like that doing that from the wing, you'd expect that from your number nine. It's great to have another goal source that can do that. And again, he's also proven that he's a pretty good penalty taker as well in the last couple of weeks. That penalty that he put away was pretty nice as well. So... Nice to have another opportunity there to give someone else a chance. I think sometimes we've not really, since Memphis had left, we didn't know who was going to take the penalties. But if Toko Kambi can do that, then the more goals, the better. And I'm sure that will give him an extra boost of confidence. In terms of 
tops and flops then I think starting on a negative note Gusto was sent off before we discuss his performance I don't think his performance was necessarily great but to a negative aspect the red card was one of those I guess just get your opinion on it quickly Tom what did you think of the red card Oh, it, it's a rookie mistake, I think. If anything, you, you know that he's on the yellow card. Um, he's diving in for that tackle, and I think he just knows as soon as he touches the guy, he's like, oh, dear. Okay, well, you know, we're, we're used to it now. You know, Leon gets a player sent off every game, so uh, everything's possible. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's a rookie mistake. I mean, obviously, he's already on the yellow Um he felt a bit jittery at times as well. So I think there's maybe even a question of Bosch taking him out, but also understand that he wants to rest some of his players. Um, but I'm sure someone... Uh, was Jumande already starting? Um, I'm not too sure um, on that end. So um, I would say, you know, bring on Jumande as a right back. If you really don't... If you really want to wet rest to do what, uh, then you bring in someone to replace him because from the... From the very start, you felt that Gusto obviously wants to impress, but um, a bit like Pogba yesterday in the in the derby, he tries a bit too hard and puts a bit too much intensity, and unfortunately, it cost him yet another uh, red card. Uh, so here we are. But um, it was good to see him play again. Um, we we sort of forgot that he was still around at times. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't probably shown his best face. And we're probably left with Dubois for another six weeks uh, at best. Dubois slander, Dubois slander. Uh, in general, what did you think of his performance then, Jonathan? Is it something that you, I guess, would you agree with Tom that it was a bit of a rookie mistake and he did look a bit nervous back there, especially with some of the pressure they were piling on early on? I mean, he's 18 years old and you have to put players in that position to make mistakes. You know, every... Most 18-year-olds who come in, unless they're like, you know, future, like Mbappe, like an unbelievable player. But usually, you, you go at 18, you make mistakes, and you're, you make stupid stupid mistakes that other mature players don't make. That's the disadvantage of having a young player over an experienced player. But you put those players in that position because they're going to progress, and they have talent and energy that the other ones don't, and they provide something different. So I think Gusto deserves opportunities, even though... Once in a while, he's going to have a terribly terrible, terrible match. He had a great match against PSG, even though he got a red card there too. So I just think he's too aggressive. He has too much energy. I think the red card is on Bosch. I think that was... It was clear he was going to get get out at one point. He was not controlling himself. I just thought he didn't know who to put as a backup. He wanted to put Dubois. I wanted to give him some rest. And um, he just waited too long. So... Sometimes you you should you can tell based on the fouls. He already had a foul before Gusto, where it was like, "Oh, you're already on yellow, man. You gotta calm down." But he didn't calm down, so it's a fair sending off, and he's just he needs to learn from this. To the second red card of the season, so or I think is it, I think it's his second red card, and, and you gotta learn from this because that's not usually you don't have two red cards in the whole season. I mean, that's pretty outrageous already for the number of play, matches he's played. Um, so he has a lot of learning to do with his uh, aggressiveness. I think that's an issue in the club itself in terms of discipline, but I'm sure we'll discuss that a little bit more 
in the Nice game. But you're right about young players coming in. I remember um, a young Trent Alexander-Arnold coming in for Liverpool. I remember in particular getting schooled by Rashford, I think a year after he made his debut and he'd been playing consistently for about 20 games and he literally put him on toast for the game. But he'd said himself that was his worst moment as a footballer and look where he's gone from that. I see a bit of gusto in terms of his attacking quality, some of the crosses he can play in a young Alexander-Arnold as well. So, you know, if he can channel those sorts of things in, there's no reason why he can't become Leon starting right back for the next few years. Because I would say, even though I do like Dubois a lot more than you guys do, but in terms of a footballer, there's a lot more technical quality than there is with Dubois. And he looks to be more talented and have a much higher ceiling than the level he's left. And I think in terms of the future, he could be a right back for France. So I do have high hopes for him, but these sorts of games of where he'll learn and hopefully can improve on that because obviously discipline is an issue, not just for him, but in the squad. Um, on a more positive note, is there anyone in particular that stood out for you, Tom? I mean, Bruno. I mean, it's clear if you, if you watch, as uh, I said earlier, his, his comps video, compilation video, um, you know, he's, he's controlling the ball with the mega times. I'm just like, why? Why would you even think of that in the first place? But sure, go ahead. Um, I think uh, definitely the syntax pairing is definitely improving and was definitely showed um, solidity of Boateng. Um, he's proven to be a very, very good signing. Other than obviously we wax lyrical about Emerson in most weeks uh, because he's so much better than some of the left backs we've had over the years. Um, but we, we do have to celebrate the fact that we have actually one of the best pairings um, in Lyon's 21st century history um, at the moment. And I think that can be go unstated. So, yeah, okay, that's the that's two that really would stand out, uh, other than obviously the one we've mentioned of Paquetta and Toko Kambi, um, because I feel they don't they go a bit understated. And... Because we're probably going to slate in next. I think, as I said earlier, Tino's entry was quite good. Um, showed a lot of will to, to go forward. And I, I still don't think right wing is his position. But I think he, he did show a lot of quality, I guess. I think that's the word. Um, but uh, obviously still slacking in the final, final third. But um, yeah. There's a few times when I'm like, okay, Tino might be back. And then I realized this weekend that probably isn't the case. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, there's some overall very good performance, I think. And and I think star of the show, Arun Paqueta, has to be the main man, uh, Usam Awar. Because honestly, at, the, at this point, yes, I know that Paqueta is the, the technical leader and the moral leader and so on. But I think our just for his, you know, Leon history has to be the captain. Like I just don't see any other solutions. I wasn't much of a fan of the idea at the start of the season, but now seeing his level and the, the will he's showing on the pitch, and how much, you know, how he's screaming after goals, you know, you really feel the passion and him getting back on the score sheet really makes him that much happy. I'm like, well, yeah, go ahead, show whatever uh, your quality is and your leadership skills. And I'm sure he got them. And he's got a lot of character. And when you look at the the celebration against Saint Etienne, for example, um, that just shows a bit of character and confidence. So, hats off to him. Um, he, he's playing very well at the moment, and hopefully that drags on throughout the season. 
told you the right man for the captaincy. I'm going to say I told you so. No, but on a serious note, other than um, other than what Tom said about his passion, what did you think of his performance against Sparta, Jonathan? I mean, he's he's inspired. He's he's playing well. He's scoring goals. He's in the right spot on the field. And we've talked about this before. There's that spot in the Bosch system with this lineup is the spot where you get your chances to score. And Paqueta was in that spot before. Awar's in that spot now. It's a very good position because the hold-up player is just not scoring, really, and just giving it back to them and letting them make runs. So he's in a great position. I still think he has a lot of room to grow. Uh, uh, he's not scoring it. Like he missed chances that he shouldn't miss. And sometimes as he makes poor choices when he has multiple options, and I don't understand why he makes some choices that he makes. Um, but, you know, he, he's still carrying the team, and he definitely wants it really bad. And his pressing is so different than it used to be. He really, one time when he loses the ball, he really wants the ball back. And he's showing it to the coach, you know, I want it. And he's been starting every game, I think, for the past, like, at least five games at least. I mean, he, he's really become, like, the, you know, in, in, he got a spot and Bosch trusts him and he's not even giving him a rest. He's playing every game. So great for him. I hope he, I hope people are watching from around the world and they give him more respect because every time you watch TV and any, you know, I, I watch English commentary, it's always like, Every time they mention his name, it's, oh, he's the guy who lost all the value and is not the player he used to be at the Final Four. And they always say this over every time, every match. And I'm like, come on, just watch the game. And, and he's still a good player. And he's he just had a down years under the previous coach that I won't name. And now he's uh, he's back to top form. And, and if he scores, you know, another 10 goals this season, I mean, that's very good. So I hope they give him the props that he's he, he deserves. Definitely deserves the plaudits, I must say. I'm biased in that sense. I've got a slight obsession with him, but just in terms of his performances in general, it's made me um, happy in the slightest to be able to see him. I don't like when he's getting slander, I must admit, especially like Jonathan said there, the English media, in particular some of the commentators on BT Sport. I'm not going to mention any names, but they are dross they don't know what they're talking about and they'll go you know Awa's this great player of this that and the other he has been in poor form in recent weeks but he's back to his best and that praise is now deserved but sometimes as Jonathan's just said he gets the he's either the player who's lost all value and is going to go for 10 million euros or the player that leads Leon forwards and that sort of thing and I think we'll all agree that in recent weeks months past year he's not been that player but in recent weeks, he has been leading with his performance as and with the captain's armband on his um, left arm, which should be there permanently, but Dubois got that. Um, I think moving on from the Europa League, we could discuss it a lot more and go into details of the way the game went, but I think we, we've communicated that we went through the motions a little bit and managed to get the result in the end. Something you wanted to add, Tom? Well, yeah, I think it'll be even more the case when we move to, to Nice, but uh, this is the typical example of a fart attack Bosch style. Um, there is just, I mentioned at the start of the season, like we are going to get a lot of games where it is complicated that uh, we have a porest, uh, poor defense, uh, and we go all out attack. And yeah, we started off bullied, but we showed character. And obviously, as, as we agreed with Jonathan, we don't mention Voldemort's name. Um, and so, yeah, that would not happen before. And I think even under Genesio, I don't think it really would happen all that much. 
Uh, this feels very Manchester United style of, of coming back in the late minutes. But also works the other way around, as we will see in the next game. Indeed. We'll, uh, we'll move on to discuss that next game. Uh, that next game was against another rival, I think, will consider for European football, considering the manager in the summer transfer window they had. Um, in the form of Nice, Monaco's um, rivals just up the coast. Um, in terms of the performance itself, Orwell found themselves 2-0 up, looking to what looked to be another comfortable victory in terms of the way of the manner 2-0. We were dominating the ball, confident, conceding a few chances. Lopez had a good first half, probably good 60 minutes. But Orwell, in um, good Orwell fashion, after goal from Awar and Tuchel can be through a two-goal lead away due to... Um, I guess poor game management, red card did have another factor in there, which again we'll discuss for the what seems the tenth time this season on the podcast. But that's what you've got to deal with. After two positives, there's always a negative. Um, in terms of the disappointing conversation, I feel like I'm repeating myself again, but this is the sixth red card in 14 games. Tom... Is there anything you really want to say about it? I mean, how frustrating is it that it's cost us again? Obviously, they were they scored a goal before the red card, but that was the real deciding factor in what happened. It's an incredible attacker's tackle. Like there, that he went over and over again. Uh, Smile Guadilla, who's commenting for Amazon Prime in France. Um, it is a assassin's attacking tackle, uh, attacker's talent tackle. Like there's just. The other commentator, actually, on Amazon Prime was Vittorino Hilton, who uh, used to be a centre-back for Montpellier for many years. And um, even with his limited French, was able to say, that's an assassin's tackle. That is just, honestly, uh, I understand that he's frustrated that Alvin Barr's left the club for no reason, but that's not a way to pay back. Like, just just get off. Get away from him. You're not going to get anywhere near the ball. Um, but that, that kind of snapped his both legs and and just yeah, frustrating and discipline has to been an issue. I don't know what worth saying at the moment. I think there's nerves that got to him for sure. Like, and I think to most of the team, the, the nerves got to them. And I understand why Bosch made that last ditch uh, substitution of bringing on Jamande for an attacker uh, just to calm things down because he knew that we could have lost the game and you know he did but at least he tried uh in the last two minutes um but um yeah no it, you know just yes atrocious game most of the game and obviously he's missed that big chance as well um but um yeah red cards and, and leon just work well together i think it's been like six already the season or something along those lines um and obviously by far the, the leaders in europe for it um, and obviously it adds to the 10 we had already last season. So I, I just don't know um, why it's been so much the case. It's never been this much the case. I've always remembered a lot of red cards. I mean, Tolisa getting set off in the derby felt pretty logical. Um, you know, giving a slap to a Saint-Étienne player it maybe deserved at times. Um, but this, this last two seasons, I just don't understand why we're this bad with referees. Um, you know, yes, getting goals cancelled and stupid red cards for no reason has happened. And we've always talked about refereeing. We did it last podcast. But this this is just deserved. Like, there is just no other reason. I don't understand why Tino is even 
looking shocked, like, oh my god, that's a red card? I can't believe it. Did I just kill Melvin Bard? No, um, but you did, yeah, nearly break his legs, so definitely deserved that red card. Yeah, as you said, uh, the near the top of the show, it's not um, not Tino Kadawera's finest hour, but you know, in terms of the game itself as well, game management does come into um, the effect as well. Obviously, in the past, we've discussed that game management isn't Leon's best um, scenario. We definitely saw that against Garcia a lot last season. The last game of the season against the same opponent um, comes to mind. Uh, which basically cost us Champions League football. But just in general, uh, Jonathan, how disappointing is it that game management has cost us in the same, I guess in the same light as it did last time? Not with such dire effects, you know, we can come back from this. It's not the end of the world. But just in terms of the same opponent and the same thing happening with the same scoreline, did it not feel a little bit like deja vu? Right, it it actually was. The last time I was this upset over a match was against Nice at the last game of the season. I mean, at least the last time it was like, okay, I'm off. No more football for like a month, you know, until the Euro. But here it's like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe. I mean, I remember telling myself at the 80th minute, I was actually talking to the TV and I was like, oh, this is such a comfortable win. I was kind of standing. I was like, okay, we're going to be second or third. This is great. Great win. Dominant. You know, we controlled a real rival. Really good performance. And then, didn't, didn't know. Complete collapse. Delor, Delor just goes back. Emerson, terrible defending on the first two goals. You know, the penalty and the, and, and the goal he conceded. And you could just tell that after... I, I, I think... I don't know because after the first goal, I didn't feel like they collapsed. That's why. After the second goal, definitely collapsed. I knew like, oh, oh my God, we're going to lose. We're definitely not going to win. Um, but the, I, I don't know what happened. And it's very... It's painful. It was a very painful loss because it's a direct opponent in a match that you really huge swing in the standings. I mean, winning that match would change a lot for us. And that's why it was so hard. And it was, we played well. You know, we played well and we lost. And it, it's, honestly, you know, I do have to give the criticism to to Peter Bosch. You know, I, I love the guy. I think he's a great coach. And I think we all think he's he's good. Um, and a great, great thing to have at the club. But he outcoached, he got outcoached this game. He, I don't know why he didn't make substitutions. I, you, you make, when, he's, when he's losing, he always makes good substitutions very early, which I think is good. Um, you know, change whoever you have to at halftime if you have to. But when he was winning, I felt like he didn't want to make any changes because he was just, it's going well. Going well. But the players are tired. And it doesn't hurt to put new people in. You have to trust players coming in. And Tadewere, I mean, we were talking about he was so bad. Not just the red card. The red card was stupid, but he was just so bad the entire game. And I thought at, at halftime, I thought he's going to be subbed out. And then he kept going, going, how are you keeping this player in? Can't do anything right. He missed every chance he had. They're not even close. They weren't even... I just I couldn't believe that Bosch didn't see that. And it was very frustrating. Um, that was an easy substitution. So, how upset I am. I'm super upset. I turned off the TV. I didn't watch any more football the rest of the day. I missed up on the Super Sunday. I didn't watch any other Super Sunday matches because I was... So pissed. And tell me, this is in America, so I didn't, I, I to tell the truth, I didn't wake up at four in the morning to watch it. I recorded it and watched it at eight in the morning when I woke up, but still my whole day was ruined and, you know, pissed off. I'm still pissed off. I just watched the replays for this and I'm super pissed. 
I've chased sentiment, although I was watching it at lunchtime, so <laughs> I, I wasn't worried about waking up early to watch it, but yeah, a, a certified way to ruin your day, especially in those sorts of circumstances. Um, I think we can talk about player performances a little bit. We don't really need to discuss Tino Cadawere anymore. You've both slammed him to pieces, bless him, but justifiably for this for this time. Um, the red card just isn't necessary. I mean, one tip I'll give listeners, next time Leon play, is bet on Leon to have a red card because with the way things have gone this season, you've got about a 50% chance of it happening so whatever odds you can get just take them it's probably worth a punt but in terms of a more positive note if we can take any positives from it is there any players or performances that you thought were positive throughout the game Tom? Throughout um, again I'm gonna I think some of the passing from Kakri was quite good um, at times he's um he plays that direct ball to Paqueta before Awa's goal. Obviously, Awa, once in a very, very... No, actually, no, not very good. He had a decent second half, but the first one, he was just uh, like Paqueta, like, you know, invisible, pretty much. Um, but you've got to put a hat off again to, to Boateng and Toko Kambi, I think. I think that's pretty much the only two that really stood out throughout the game, uh, particularly Boateng. I mean, that pass... Just you know, where that come from? I mean, we know that he's got a good long ball game, but this is his left foot as well. Like it's just incredible. Um, so yeah, those two definitely stand out to me. And obviously, Bruno once again, it feels like it's a repetition of the top performers, and the the bad performers are usually the same ones. Uh, we'll get onto that next, but yeah, it's. Good can be a boat, I think, are the two that really stood up to me. Would you agree with those, Jonathan, or is there anyone else in particular your thoughts stood out in terms of a positive, particularly where we were saying it's like at 80 minutes, we thought we were going for a comfortable victory? I thought Kakre was great. He was uh, making all the right moves, getting the ball when he needed. The, the midfield was totally dominant. You know, every time they wanted the ball, they got the ball back. Um, but Kakre was just really... That was a good, solid game for him. There's games where he's not that good. He doesn't bring enough offensively that he should. He needs to work on that. He, he's not a threat, but he's in the right spot, making the right, always looking forward. Got the little boost of energy every time he gets the ball, and for like a second, uh, no, I think he was solid. He was a big reason why we were winning that midfield. Um, and you know, Boateng and and Tukambi also good players, but um, I don't know. I just thought the midfield was very good this match. And we conceded chances, though. You know, Delore could have scored. Like I always said, you know, it's a game of inches sometimes. You just see the result because it's helped its favor or in favor of us. And when you're losing, you remember all the chances you almost had. But here, if you think of Nice's perspective, they did have chances to score a few times. And if they had scored one of those, the game's possibly different. So um, it was close. I just thought that at 2 0, the game was over. And I thought we had got over this, you know, game management thing. I thought they had learned from it and now they were learning to control a score. Even against Prague, we didn't talk about it. Prague, they still conceded twice in the last minute, but one of them was ruled or was not, uh, was ruled invalid. So they're making mistakes like this where they're losing concentration at the end and then it's collapsing. So this needs to change and I don't know who's responsible for this. I 
And, and with a back line like this, you, you're not supposed to make... This is our prime back line with four solid internationally known players, and they should not collapse like this. Because, you know, I, I know Boateng did well, but on the goal against Delors, the first one, he's also kind of putting his back and kind of not playing it correctly. And he's just trying to cover, but that's a mistake also, in my opinion. I think in general, the... Uh... The defence is going to be left a bit open in this sort of setup and tactical way of playing. Obviously, we explained that at the start of the season, but just in terms of the way it's happening quite regularly, as you said, we got maybe a bit lucky with the two goals in stoppage time against Prague. We could have been having the same conversation that we'd thrown another lead away in what's really dire circumstances. I think this one hurts more than the others just because of the same way that it happened last season. Um, in terms of negatives, not to go too negative, but is there anyone in particular that either of you want to highlight from a negative performance? I'm not going to say anything else about the game. I think it's making me depressed talking about it. But just in general, is there anyone else you wanted to highlight that we've not spoken about already, Tom? Um, there's not many other players. I mean, obviously the collective uh, failed um, ultimately, and yeah, it deserves a um, bit of a you know, wake up call. Uh, this was uh, definitely an opportunity to to get back in the top of the leaderboard, and we didn't do that. So I think the team needs to take a collective um, deep breath and get back into it because um, I don't think individually there's that many who really poorly performed obviously we've mentioned Tino but otherwise generally I think it's just a team that just failed to keep their act together and and obviously shout out to Nice because it's not always just us being terrible it's also uh, Yusuf Tal coming in and doing very well um, and I think Lekipe gave Emerson a 2 purely on the 20 minutes he played against Atal uh, which I thought was slightly harsh uh, but he was terrible Anyone on your end, Jonathan, or would you agree with what Tom's just said there? Are you just like me, you're fed up with talking about the game? I mean, it is what it is. You have to talk to the good and the bad. I mean, Emerson, yeah, he got a terrible grade on Lekip. Um, but I, I said the flop again is Peter Bosch. We have to praise him when he does well and, and get after him when he does poorly. He had, it was unbelievable that no substitutions until the 80th minute when there's when, you're, when your players played on Thursday night. I don't you know. They just needed turnover. I, I know he, he likes this team. The team he had, he thought was the best team available. But you still have to trust people behind him. So, Bosch is my flop. I think the loss is tribute to him. Although, Kadewere, you know, worst performance in a long time. Poor Tino, poor Tino. But no, you're right. Boss genuinely didn't get, I think, towards the end, his game management, as well as the players' game management, did have an impact. It reminded me of the manager who will not be named, like you've kept up a theme, so we'll keep that. But it did remind me a lot of last season. There was more than one occasion where we should have made substitutes and we didn't, and it cost us. But I think I'm going to cut it there. For Nice, to be honest, it's it's drained me just as much as it's drained Paquette playing this last three weeks talking about Nice. Um, has anyone else got anything to add for this episode? The silence says it all, so thanks once again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Bye.